What's going on, Warriors? Today's going to be a bit of a smaller episode because, you know, we're talking about micromanaging. <laughs> All right, jokes aside, we're going to talk about micromanaging your diabetes, how that makes it easier, even though it sounds like it makes it more difficult, and how I discovered this strategy myself. All right, so we're going to enter a theme song. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. All right, so back in the day when I was MBI, I was first diagnosed vials and syringes, right? The old school. And I thought it was literally three decisions per day that I would make. They were called breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's it. There's no other decision I need to make. And some people, when they're first diagnosed, are told it's even less decisions than that. They say, all right, take insulin uh, at some point, maybe 10 a.m., and then maybe like 2 p.m., and then that should take you through your day. And they hope and pray that they gave them the right dosing instructions, right? Uh, and some, there's obviously a, a huge variety of doctors in the world. There are good doctors, of course. Mine that I started out with was not the best, unfortunately. Uh, my current endo, fantastic. She's amazing. Very knowledgeable, very supportive. Uh, but what I want to get into is when I first thought there were three decisions that when I gave insulin, it was just for breakfast, for lunch, or for dinner, that is oversimplifying the process, which in turn makes it more difficult to manage. Which is interesting, right? So um, I, I heard this book, and I'll, I'll get you guys the, the name of the book towards the end of the podcast, but this book kind of opened my eyes, as most books do, right? I've got a whole shelf of books stuffed under my desk. I've got another shelf over there with more books. I love reading, which is hilarious to think about because I hated school growing up. I thought reading was the worst thing ever, but now understanding that it expands my mind to understand new concepts and strategies, whether it's diabetes or personal growth, that's a whole new topic, right? Go read a book. They're fantastic. But I read this book. Actually, I'll be honest with you guys. I read pieces of this book. I was very busy. But in this book, there were new strategies that I had not considered at that time in my life. And while I didn't finish the book itself, it gave me new ideas on how I could take care of my blood sugars in a different light. And it led me into micromanaging my diabetes, which micromanaging has, it's got a negative connotation, right, associated with it. A lot of people say micromanaging is bad. You should never micromanage somebody else. You should never micromanage a situation. If you're a manager, you shouldn't micromanage. Like, it's just, it's assumed that it's all bad. But what we're talking about here is making small decisions throughout your day that assist your blood sugars and help them stay in range for longer periods of time, which in turn takes the stress off of you. Now we've got a whole new perspective of micromanaging, right? It's no longer about, I have to get everything perfect and keep it in line and make sure that the blood sugars cooperate. No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about making small decisions to react to pieces of data. And we're going to do our best, if you've heard my previous podcast episodes about uh, controlling your mindset, right? we're going to do our best to not react emotionally to these data points. Because data has no emotion. Data does not make you angry. You make you angry. Data doesn't make you happy. You make you happy. Okay? So if we can establish that, 
then we can move to the next phase of this micromanaging, which is taking those data points and applying them, taking action. Okay. So for example, let's say you go out to a restaurant, you don't know the carb count, you're completely guessing. All right, you decide, you know what, I accept whatever results that this blood sugar is going to be. I'm going to go out with my friends and family and enjoy this meal. I'm going to guess and do my best, right? I'm not going to just skip taking insulin, but it's going to be a bit of a guessing game based on the knowledge that I've already gained. Now, hopefully, you understand the basic concepts of carb counting. You understand that a cup of something is different than a quarter cup of something. It's going to have different carbohydrates, right? So if you look at your plate and go, okay, that's about a cup of rice, right? Let's say that's about 45 grams of carbs. Uh, that's about a cup of, I don't know, fruit. That's like usually around 20 grams of carbs, depending on the fruit, right? Uh, and you kind of like mix and match and figure out what's on your plate, take your dose, and then an hour later, you know, make sure you pre-bolus, of course. Pre-bolus is one of the keys to avoiding the post-meal blood sugar spike. That's a previous episode though, so go check that one out if you haven't yet, okay? But the key to micromanaging is learning how to read your data. Understanding that at an hour later, you should not, if you did everything correctly, you should not be spiking sky high past 300, right? What you should be is either in range or maybe somewhere kind of fluctuating slowly because your insulin should be counteracting the absorption of the carbohydrates, right? So if we see double arrows up on our CGM, if you're wearing a CGM, or if you test your blood sugar an hour later and it's sky high, maybe it's 300, and you're like, what the heck? I started at 110. How did I jump 190 points in an hour? Something went wrong, right? That uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you got it wrong, but it's a good indicator that something might not be perfectly lined up, right? The ratios might not have gone as well as you'd planned. Maybe you miscalculated, but the point is your data shows that you are now at a high blood sugar. What do you do? Well, technically it's been an hour since you ate, so you shouldn't give insulin, right? Yes and no. Doctors will tell you avoid insulin stacking. Insulin stacking is when you give more insulin when there's already insulin on board. That can be dangerous, absolutely. Right? If you take too much insulin and you stack it over itself, you're gonna end up with cascading drops that could potentially lead you into a very dangerous low blood sugar. More on that in the previous episode about insulin on board, okay? But with insulin stacking, you have to understand the variables that surround your decision making. So if you go into a decision, and let's say you, you have a meal that you know the carbs for, in this case. You're like, okay, that's 50 carbs, I injected, I took my bolus, that should go smoothly. And then 20 minutes later, you have a snack. And you realize you forgot to bolus for that snack. Now it's okay to take insulin because you realize you did not take insulin for, you know, maybe 20 grams of carbs. In that case, you should probably take your insulin. But what do you do? Again, back to the restaurant situation, you're skyrocketing past 300. Most likely, you didn't take enough insulin, right? Because it was a mysterious plate full of who knows how many carbs, right? What should your first course of action be? Well, in my case, my first action is usually to go for a walk, incorporate some exercise, do some yoga around the house if it's too hot, too cold outside, do something that involves activity. Bonus points if it's chores, because then you get something done while you're treating a high blood sugar. Though I know it's like, <laughs> it's really difficult to be productive when you have terrible blood sugars because you want to just wallow and complain and be like, oh, my life sucks, I hate this so much. Or, you know, maybe you feel nauseous uh, and it's not a fun place to be. But the point is you got to move. Now, no sprints, no weightlifting. Those are more likely to rise your blood sugars. More on that in a future episode. 
But right now we're focusing on low-level movement. My favorite is to go for a walk. Why? Because a walk enables you to do other things. Improve your health, right? Cardiovascular, burn fat, great for burning fat. It's one of the most effective ways to burn fat. Not efficient, but effective. It targets fat burning primarily while you're walking. Um, and I'll do an episode on that maybe too if you guys are interested. Drop a comment, let me know what you wanna hear. Uh, but the other reason I love walking is I use it for mindset. So I call it my mindset morning. Sometimes I go into a high blood sugar, I throw some headphones in or earbuds, I throw on a good podcast and I walk 20, 30 minutes, essentially until I drop back down. And while I'm walking, while I'm taking care of my blood sugars, I'm effectively improving my mindset. I'm growing, right? So I get to use that for multiple benefits. But here's the thing. You're at an hour. You just crossed 300. You finished eating with your friends, but you're feeling a little bit nauseous. You go for a walk. Two things are going to happen. One of two things. You either drop because you're helping the insulin that's on board already to circulate and essentially use itself to, you know, transport the glucose into your, your body, your different muscles, liver, all that stuff. Or nothing happens. Maybe you stabilize. Maybe you keep going up. Uh-oh you probably didn't take enough insulin. So what I like to do in that situation, go for the walk and use the walk as a test. If I keep rising, something went wrong. Maybe my insulin pump site is not connected properly. Maybe there was an occlusion. If I'm on MDI, maybe my insulin went bad or more likely than either of those, I didn't take enough insulin because I had to guess on that meal, right? So in that case, I go for the walk, nothing happens. Then I've told myself through this test, that I likely need more insulin and now it's safer to give that insulin dose versus just panicking and responding in an emotional or in, 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 in a, wow responding in an emotional manner and just stacking insulin on top of each other and emotionally responding and rage bolusing and then just all of a sudden it hits you all at once and then you come plummeting down and that's terrifying right now I'm not telling you go for a walk quick give a dose that's the magic formula no it's situational right you have to understand that if you go for a walk, you could drop 20 minutes after the walk. So use caution, use common sense, but the point of the micromanaging is to recognize a trend, to take that data point, and understand there are pieces of action you can take that are safer. And the concept behind micromanaging is micro, right? Small. You see 300, are you gonna take 10 units of insulin assuming you're gonna go to 500? No. <laughs> Treat for where you're at, Understand you do have insulin on board in that situation and make those small corrections. Now, best case scenario, you had an alert that went off at 180 or 200 or 210, somewhere in there, right? To tell you your blood sugar is high. So you should have gotten that alert earlier and already started taking action, which means you already were on the way towards understanding what your next step should be. Now, the less ridiculous example, because obviously 300 an hour later, <laughs> that's double arrows up the whole time. Like you probably didn't pre this. The more realistic situation is you eat 10 a.m., let's say, and you got a protein-filled meal, some carbs in there, some fats, 12, or 12 a.m., 12 noon, two hours later, blood sugar, you're still stable. You're in range. Congrats, looks awesome. 1 p.m. rolls around. You haven't had any more food, any more insulin. You're just kind of hanging out. All of a sudden, you start to climb. Starts climbing faster starting to get into a high blood sugar range. Crap, you forgot about protein. You ate a lot of protein in that meal and all of a sudden it's starting to hit you. Do you wait until your next meal to dose for that correction shot? Or do you recognize it's been three hours since you've eaten? I should probably give some insulin now to start buttoning it down a little bit, right? 
give it little nudges to bring it back down. That's usually the, the better bet, is to start giving nudges. Now again, this is not a rage bolus. This is not insulin stacking. This is, it's been a decent amount of time since my meal, and I know there's not enough insulin in my system. I need to start just encouraging it nicely to go back down. This could be, you know, for me, I like little half units. For me, I like calculating actually depending on how much food it would take if I took too much insulin to counter that insulin stacking, essentially. So if I am technically stacking insulin, which every once in a while, based on the data that I gather is necessary for me, I'll give the unit, right? I'm like, okay, one unit for me, I'm a one to 15 insulin to carb ratio. Do not compare to me. Don't you, there's no good or bad insulin to carb ratio. This is mine. Okay. I'm unique as are you, but if I'm a one to 15, I give one unit in my head. I go, okay, let's say I drop too fast and I did just stack insulin. That means I have to eat 15 grams of carbs. So I have to have at least 15 grams of carbs on me until that insulin is gone. So if I'm going for a walk, I'm taking at least 15, maybe 20 grams of fast acting carbs, just in case that one unit was too much. Okay, so we take these small different corrective doses, we don't pile it on all at once, we don't try to stack insulin. But on the other end of the spectrum, what happens if you start going low, but it's a slow drop, right? And this is where micromanaging is best used, best practice is the slow rise that's unexpected, the slow drop that's unexpected, right? So slow rise, we know, just give it little nudges, encourage it with little miniature doses of insulin and help to mitigate that spike. But on the other end, lows, let's say you are on a CGM, okay? You have very little insulin on board and you are slanted down at 90. If you're slanted down at 90 versus double arrows down at 90, those are completely different situations. If you're double arrows down at 90, you should have a juice box in hand, right? ready to go. If you are slanted down at 90, you might be fine doing nothing. You might not need to treat because you aren't going to be low for another 15, 20 minutes, right? The key here is understanding that different lows require different treatments as do different highs. If you're double arrows up, that's going to require a more aggressive dose than it would if you were slanted up, right? Slanted either way usually means about a five point change every five minutes. Double arrows up, double arrows down usually means 15 points or more per five minutes. So that's a rapid change in blood glucose, right? So with the lows, if you are slanted down, let's say you're, you're running on the treadmill, you could have one glucose tab. That's four grams of carbs. Instead of the 15 they recommend, you could have two, two tablets. That's eight grams, right? Understand that as you play around with micromanaging more, you're going to understand the impact these sugars, these insulins have on you. You need to go back into previous lessons, understand your correction factor, because if you're taking the wrong amount of insulin, this is all going to be just a big mess, right? If you think that one unit drops you 100 and it actually drops you 50, the whole formula is broken, right? You have to understand your foundation of basal bolus and correction factors before any of this is going to make sense. That is your first step. This is the second step, micromanaging. Understand you can kind of treat things on the fly. If you have slow drops, slow rises, don't give full corrections. Don't take the full 15 to 20 grams of sugar if you're in the 90s and stable. No, right? Unless, situational, maybe if you're about to start running a marathon, you should probably get some food in your system and, and get it up a little bit, right? But know your body. Know that you are unique. We're all slightly different in the ways that our body or physiology responds to different exercises and foods. But understand that if you are slowly changing, that requires a much different approach 
to fast changing blood sugars. So for me, if I'm slanted down and I'm in the gym, one glucose tab. Did it work? Great, I didn't overtreat. Did it not work? Okay, let's, let's add some more sugar now. So if you guys are interested in learning how to micromanage, learning how to isolate your basal bolus and correction factor, learning how different exercises and meals will impact your blood sugars, and to establish your 80-20 blood sugar formula. I want you to go to Diabetes in Action right now for a free training I did. Take notes, it's about an hour long. Guarantee that you will learn something new and a new strategy for how you live your life with type 1 diabetes. So go out there, practice micromanaging, be safe with it, and have a great day. Keep up the fight. All right, guys, so that is it for today's episode. Now, quick, quick summary, all right? Essentially, you are making small decisions, small doses of insulin, small corrections with sugar in order to avoid having to make bigger decisions later on with bigger doses, bigger treats, uh, to stay in range longer over that period of time. So if you're looking for that training, head over to diabetesinaction.com, and I'll see you guys over there. Have a great day, and keep up the fight.